When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James. Today on the podcast, uh, it's a weird mash, we've got Nathan who's a professional ballet dancer with the Australian Ballet, we've got Callum who was a, a physiotherapist turned into a corporate dude and we've got a rent vesting in the making situation, we've got a new home that they're buying out of the city, uh, all this happened in lockdown, they cashed in with all the government grants, it's a fascinating story. Nathan and Callum, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. I've known uh, I've known you guys for for some time now, and Nathan Callum has told me, uh, and he kind of wanted to do this now to surprise you. You've recently been nominated for the Telstra <laughs> Ballet Dancer of the Year Award for 2021. So congratulations! You you're a professional ballet dancer with the Australian Ballet. Tell us about this award, and we might talk about it a little bit later on in the episode as well. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, basically, I've been nominated for the Telstra Ballet Dancer of the Year Award. Uh, there's six nominees that are chosen out of the 80 dancers of the Australian Ballet. They're chosen by ex-winners of the award and principal dancers and the artistic director. And there's a People's Choice Award. There's a, a main winner's award, and basically it's Telstra supporting individual artists like myself, you know, up and coming artists. So if you guys could vote, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, you know, if you hear their story about property, love and merging their money and getting a dog, Jonathan, uh, if you inspire (laughs) them and you want to do something nice, we would appreciate your M3 vote uh, because it'd be cool if Nathan uh, takes that award this year. You guys have been together two and a half years. Uh, Callum, you're living in Sydney. Nathan was living in Melbourne. You did the long distance thing. Uh, Callum decided to pack his bags and get transferred to Melbourne. Uh, and then we've had some recent news. So tell us about the recent news. We got, we got engaged. Yay! <laughs> Woo! All right. So, <laughs> so like. In the past, when I've, like, talked with same-sex couples, like, there's no norm, right? So, what was your process? Was it just like, oh, hey, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Like, was there a, a leading type <laughs> of person? Was there pressure from one person? How did you guys uh, come to the decision to ultimately uh, decide you wanted to spend the rest of your lives together? Uh, so, basically, I think we've always known that we were heading down that track. Ever since we met each other, we just clicked. And this one afternoon in lockdown, we were having a picnic with my friend Jasmine. And she asked us, where would you guys get married if you were to get married? And we were thinking and I was saying, I'd love to get married at this venue in Palm Beach in Sydney. 
because it's near my parents' house. It's in between Cal's family's house on the Central Coast and my family's house in Avalon on the Northern Beaches. And basically we just started talking about it hypothetically, who would invite, all the rest of it. And then we came home, had Thai takeaway, kept talking about it, kept fantasizing about it, and then took the dog for a walk to get some ice cream. And Cal just turned to me and said, so are we getting married? And I said, yes. And that was basically it. So it just felt like a really organic decision. (laughs) Yeah. I know. (laughs) So not exciting. In the middle of stage four lockdown. And I've known Callum for a lot of years and it just speaks to his clinical personality as well. (laughs) (laughs) Emotional range of a teaspoon. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think like back to your question, there aren't as many rules or expectations on us as a same-sex couple, which makes it nicer and a bit easier like, we'd obviously bought a house together and I'd moved from Sydney to Melbourne and we have a dog. Mm. So, th- there were no surprises. We survived 12 months in lockdown together. Um, so, it was just kind of the natural progression in our relationship. So, that that's kind of a good thing. You don't need to, like, get a diamond. That makes it a bit cheaper. Mm. Um, <laughs> some people do that and that's their prerogative, but uh, we got a kitchen instead. So, I'll I'll take the kitchen any day. (laughs) Okay. So, I'm assuming that's the kitchen in the new house. So, tell us your plans for building wealth and the fact that you like living in the Melbourne CBD and how you went about purchasing a home and what your strategy is. I guess our long, long long-term goal is actually to move back to Sydney where our families are um, Nate grew up on the northern beaches. I'm from the central coast. We have a lot of friends there uh, in connection to New South Wales. Uh, and Sydney is just ridiculously expensive. Uh, so we've always known that, like, in order for that goal to be achievable, we kind of need to start building our wealth now uh, and getting some capital behind us so that maybe one day that becomes a reality. Um, and the other thing is the ballet is based in Melbourne and uh, ballet dancers have a lifespan of maybe. 10 to 15 years. Uh, So, Nate's obviously not going to be doing this forever, um, but Melbourne is going to be our home for the next 10 years at least. And so, the ballet is also based in Melbourne um, and Nate, as he said, goes there six days a week. So, we need to be around the city. And so, there's a few things that are kind of dictating what we want to do, our goals, our current career paths, that kind of thing. But even Melbourne, as as much as it's way more affordable than Sydney, is still um, very expensive. And so, in the middle of lockdown, we'd kind of consolidated lives. I'd moved to Melbourne at the start of lockdown, not the best time to move from Sydney to Melbourne, but it did happen and it actually kind of worked out quite well. We'd consolidated lives, sold Nate's car, we now just had one car. Um, we had a bit of money behind us. Uh, we were in a better place, one rent instead of two, that kind of thing. And so, I was just like, oh, like, I wonder if, like, the bank would lend us some money now that we have a bit of a deposit and we've got two incomes and our expenses are aligned and things like that. And then he's like, yeah, look into it. So, I just started applying. And then I think as the ball gets rolling, you're kind of looking at all the different options and ways into the market. Uh, and then I started seeing, like, the first homeowner grant and then, COVID happened and there was like the home builder thing and we, we kind of just fit the home builder very strict guidelines in order to be eligible. 
Um, I think any longer in our annual income would have gone over the threshold. So I was like, oh, there's this, there's this opportunity we have where we can get a bit of money off the government, um, we can get a home, we can get into the market now, um, but it involves a bit of sacrifice. We have to leave the city in order to be eligible for those regional grants because that's where the cash is. Um, and you have to live in it for 12 months also to be eligible for any of them. So that was the sacrificial part. Are you willing to commute for a year, six days a week to do your job? Yeah. And I mean, as I think Carl was saying, for regional, it's you can get 20000 for your first homeowner grant rather than the 10 in the city. And building in the city would just be way too expensive. So the best option for us, the most lucrative option was to go out into the sort of regional areas of Melbourne. And you also applied and will get the Home Builder Federal Government Grant of uh, $25,000. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So we signed our contract after the 30th of June, I think, with the rules. Um, but before, I think it was January 2021. So there was like a six month window where it was. 25 grand so we'd signed a contract within that six months and then our foundations were laid by the builder within six months of signing that contract um, which makes you eligible yeah so ultimately the sacrifice to move an hour out of melbourne and build a house it's it's a lifestyle sacrifice but it's basically forty five thousand dollars yeah and and more if you think about it because basically We were also really lucky in the timing in that because it was around the new financial year and we also got on the first home loan deposit scheme as well, which there's only how many spots, Cal? There's Oh, there's like 10,000 spots or something. Anyway, so Mm. luckily we got on that scheme. So we only paid a 5% deposit for the house and land without having to pay any lender's mortgage insurance as well. So. It was, wow. stamp duty. Yeah, it was a great opportunity or stamp duty, yeah. Yeah, and so realistically, the stamp duty could have been $20,000 or $25,000 and, you know, lenders mortgage insurance, you know, that could have been another fifteen to 20000 You're staring down the barrel of maybe around sixty dollars to $70,000 as a leg up. Yeah. And yeah. I, I guess I wanted to just chat with you guys because it's an interesting story for two things. One, the short-term sacrifice, and I say short-term as in 12 months, you know, over the scheme of our life, it is a short-term. It, You know, sometimes a week feels like hell, but um, relatively short-term. Uh, but really maximising all of the government incentives at the time. And we don't know what's happening, um, you know, when this podcast goes to air, but, you know, at different times, different governments, state and federal, have these things. And I believe it's, uh, and maybe you can talk to this cow, having your financial set up, you know, not lay, like not loaded up with consumer debt because that was old Callum, not being, you know, quote unquote, tied down financially to these big financial commitments. So you could be agile and make the move when you had to. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a huge part. I think we approached you, Glenn. I was like, look, this is how much money we've got this is our situation. Do you think it's possible? Um, and then being able to like be put in contact with a mortgage broker, have all the financials ready, have all the bank statements ready, 
because it, it moves slowly and yet at the same time it moves really quickly. I think it moves as quick as you kind of push it. Um, I'm very efficient with getting paperwork completed and back to the people that need it. Um, so it can feel a bit slow. But, yeah, being able to have it all set up uh, and have your finances in order. And I think the biggest thing is um, not being in debt uh, and having just a bit of a nest egg behind you um, is the most important thing. Definitely. Yeah. And I think as well, like, consolidating sort of your assets, I guess, and, and your money as a couple is a really big, important step. So you have to feel comfortable to do it. But I think that was such a great launching pad for us as a couple because we didn't have debts and we had this this base that wasn't massive, but we had this base and then we luckily had these opportunities that really helped us sort of, you know, take, take this opportunity. And also being smart about your expenses, like our rent, we purposely didn't get the nicest apartment in Melbourne. There's plenty of options and I guess our income would allow us to have the cash flow to have something probably a bit fancier, but at the same time, you don't want to be spending your money on someone else's mortgage and you can make any house nice. Yes. Well, I do a good job of making my house nice after I get your styling tips, but... um, So, how, like, when you contacted me, Cal, you had already kind of scratched the services with different banks. What was it like um, going to the mortgage broker? Like, did you find that experience, like, easier? I think it depends on how financially savvy you are. Right. Um, for me, working in finance in the insurance industry and also understanding um, – like financial documentation and things like that. I think that makes it easier for me to probably directly deal with a bank if I needed to. But the issue with dealing with a bank is they just don't have the same, you don't have the same bargaining power as a mortgage broker. They're in the business. They've got that competitive edge. They could lead you down and suggest all these different banks. And the banks, I think, know that with a mortgage broker and you tend to always get a better deal going through them. Uh, and I think this mm. it's a similar story with John, uh, who we use mm. to help source the builder. Um, if you've got yeah. someone that's kind of part of the industry, like as good as you, you can go to a bank, you can go to a builder directly, um, but you'll always be treated as a customer Yeah. whilst having that person, that conduit in the middle who has a bit more bargaining power and kind of knows the yeah. industry and knows how to play the game a bit more is always going to be an advantage. And it usually doesn't cost you anything because... Um, they obviously get the windfall from whoever they sign you on with. And I guess it's, you know, that that person is independently in your corner. Well, they bloody should be. And that's kind of why, you know, if someone wants to reach out for a mortgage broker or, you know, maybe talk to John about uh, his envisaged property services, you know, at least I'm not introducing sharks to the listeners. I'm not introducing sharks to my friends. So there is a layer of vetting. But how was the process with using John's Envisage property services? I loved working with John because he was really honest about the market in Melbourne and really really understood it of where were the great growth areas. And basically with the first home loan deposit scheme, there's thresholds. So basically if you go too far out, it's 375,000 is the threshold. And then a little bit further in is 600,000. 
Um, well, Metro is 600,000. So basically we needed to find somewhere regional. It's been increased. <laughs> just for Sorry. It's just been increased. It's just been increased, so right? Of, I well, think it's like 850 now for um, being in the right. city. You can borrow a bit more. Um, but that's right, right of course. Yep. Anyway, so we had to find a place that was regional for first time, the first time owner grant and somewhere that was had a $600,000 threshold. And basically we had three options we had and John came to us with these options um, because we were kind of open to a few different places. We did really did want the Macedon region just because we liked the area, but the three areas that John suggested were the Macedon region of so Lancefield, the suburb that we've picked, uh, Armstrong Creek in Geelong and Bacchus Marsh, um, three growth areas. And just the whole way through the process with John, he led us to a great builder and sort of led us in the direction that he thought would be the best long-term investment and it was great to have that guidance and someone there because i was like i'm a ballet dancer what would i what would i know about growth suburbs and there's suburbs that you've heard about that have you know grown heat you, you like, he knows a lot about them now I know, I know on real estate.com <laughs> looking at growth areas he's obsessed with it but you think you know you want to get on the back of that bandwagon that's already grown but you know, to have John be there saying, oh, well, actually, I think that's already done the growing. What about here? What about Bacchus Marsh? What about, you know, Lancefield? Because these places are yet to do the growing and you could, you know, be a part of that, which is really yeah, encouraging. You've got, to, you've got to back the right horse, don't you? Like the property market is probably more educated, I guess, but it is still a gamble. Um, yeah. When you Well, I, I think... But also, I think it, it goes to everything is like based on data and understanding the data. And John certainly lives in the data for his career. So, he can kind of really see what the trends in the data is saying. Um, so, you've got the best shot rather than just going, oh, we'll just buy a house in the suburb we grew up in. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. some yeah. strategy to it. Uh, similar to the mortgage broker with John, he had access to the builders, he had access to blocks of land that you wouldn't have had through a real estate agent or realestate.com. So, there were things that we had no idea that were available and like we were looking, trust me. But um, the things that John showed, like, showed us were completely out of left field um, and they were perfect. So, John had that kind of backdoor uh, way into the market that you don't get at the coalface as a retail customer going to a real estate agent, going up to a home builder and saying, what can you do for this block of land? Like there's all those things with site costs and they can really blow out if you buy your own block and then get a project home builder to throw a um, home on it. Uh, so John had access to a lot more stuff that we wouldn't have had just as a retail customer. Now, okay, so just on that, uh, I know we chatted briefly before, but I might just get you to swim back around to maybe some of the lessons that you learned. And and I've had the same experience when I bought one of my own properties. You want to feel like you want to go to this builder and you want to, you know, hi, it's your first home and um, let's choose this. And so, when you've stepped in, the product has basically been sold. Like they don't have to work to get you over the line. So, 
is it true to say that some of the experience once you got the deal was a little bit too clinical for what you liked and you kind of had to have a reset of your expectations? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I mean, for example, I mean, I was stuck in lockdown, not dancing, looking up, you know, like all these floors. I was like, imagine if we could get like parquetry floorboards and stuff you like wanted, that. Like, French <laughs> Completely ridiculous. Floors in a project <laughs> home. So basically I, we went to the builder and we were like, well, you know, we'll just do our own floors because we got a great quote and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the builder came back and said, well, we'll give you this much for the floors. And the price was just nothing. So we're like, okay, we'll go with the builder's floors and stuff like that. And it's not terrible. It's not bad. They don't have bad options. They have a lot of great options, but you know, the great options cost you money and everything costs money. So you, Mm. you know, and we, we ended up getting pretty much everything that we wanted. Um, And there was, there was a bit of compromise and a bit of, you know, back and forth, but that at the end of the day, we had to keep reminding ourselves, like, it is an investment. It's not, you know, our forever home. Forever and, home. you know, we're not going to spend money on, you know, stuff that isn't going to make the property, you know, worth more. And I think it's a, it's a caution to anyone out there who does want to go down this road, particularly at this time where there are still grants available, it's probably the first time in many, many years that these builders haven't had to go and sell homes. People have just come and, you know, I'm sure every builder is just having stuff run off the shelves. I mean, I talked to my cousin and she went to some builders and said, look, we don't even have any capacity. So, I think it is that um, it's one of the busiest times in some of the, you know, building industry that for many years and coupled with the fact that they don't have to schmooze you because the deal's been done based on the clinical, we want this property at this price, done. Yeah. yeah. If you want a forever home and a boutique experience, go buy a nice sloping block on the water and commission an architect um, and say goodbye to all your money. <laughs> but, uh, but effectively, you're going to get what's written on the box, aren't you? Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. They are so much cheaper. So, if we were to do the exact same thing, if we were to buy the exact same piece of land, put a four-bedroom, two-bathroom, double-garage home that was shaped the way we wanted it to be and we wanted those parquetry floors and whatever, um, even just getting to that point and not going through a project home builder, was it's literally double the price. So, like, yeah. the actual home with yeah. the builder, our contract was around 300000 To go through a private builder and do your own design would have been six hundred. So, like, it, you can't not do it. And yeah. how much was the land? We got the land for two fifteen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so you're that. basically getting change out of... Five, uh, five fifty, five twenty. Yeah, five fifteen, five twenty, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then we got forty five off that. Our deposit plus that forty five k. Our mortgage is looking like mid fours. Yeah, and which is very affordable, right? Yeah, very yeah. cheap mortgage. Yeah, I think as well with the builder. I was just going to say quickly. Um, I think they want to go at their pace. So I think for Cal and I, who are quite savvy and we're completely on the ball with every product and everything they were offering and you know trying to find ways around certain situations or you know like 
you're, you know, wanting a freestanding bath instead of a inset bath and stuff like that. For us who were very quick at that sort of stuff, I think they don't want to be rushed. I think if you just go with their pace, it will work out in the end and you will get a great product in the end. But I think you just have to allow for them to allow them to take their own pace. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and I'm going to ask the guys a couple of questions about how they manage money personally and then some future plans that they've got in their lives. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. So long-term plan for this property, it is a buy and hold for the foreseeable future. Like there's no plan to buy it and then flip it. The plan is to live in it for 12 months, move back to the city and effectively, quote unquote, rent vest. We think so. We really don't know. We're not married to any one thing. We might spend two years there instead. Um, it really depends on how this first 12 months goes. Um, it depends on the market. Like the market's booming at the moment, obviously in regional areas, everybody wants to get out of the expensive city and work's become really flexible. Um, so we just don't know where we're going to be in 12 months. It's such an uncertain time at the moment. Mm. So that's one of the options would be to rent vest. We, we could sell it if we're going to get a really great price and uh, make a good profit out of it. Or as I said, we might stay there and live there a bit longer and kind of pay down the mortgage a bit more. Um, give it a bit more time to grow in some capital um, so that then maybe we're in a position to either get another one or um, maybe get something small in the city in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, world's our oyster at this stage. Yeah. And do you think the, um, you know, it's always, you always make your money on the buy a lot of the times and, you know, was it appealing that, you know, in 12 months time, in two years time, you've always got two or three options to see where life takes you. Yeah, absolutely. I think for so long, and I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people think this, that like personally, you know, I wanted that Australian dream of like saving up money to, you know, buy a place in the city, you know, live in it for a bit, you know, move out to the suburbs, have kids, whatever, whatever the dream is. But I think, we had to look a little bit outside the box and, you know, I think it's important to not be married to that idea of having necessarily having to live in your first home. Obviously we're living in it because of the grants, but like if, if it's not suiting our lifestyle, we can always get renters in, move back into the city and it's still a great investment for us and will still work for us. Mm. Now, you talked about, you know, getting the efficiencies of merging your money together. Um, how do you guys practically do that? Like in terms of like what type of accounts do you have? You know, is there an overlord who manages the uh, the gold chest and the other one's the slave or like <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Callum. Um, <laughs> Not by choice, I assure you. Um, we've gone through phases. So obviously- we there was a phase of bringing our money together in some way so we originally had 
personal accounts and a joint account and a savings account. And we kind of managed money that way for a bit. And then once I'd moved here, uh, we then started getting rid of the personal accounts and putting the money together a bit more because it's like we go out for dinner. It's like, oh, like, let's just pay for this together. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, it gets a bit silly once you start, like, transferring money to each other. Um, but, like, everybody's different. And I know for some people that works for them. But for us, it wasn't. I, I think we felt a bit more liberated when we didn't have to worry about that kind of thing anymore. And then once we got the mortgage, so we were really um, fortunate to get, like, an offset account um, for this home. And that's when we fully integrated everything into the offset account. So it's really simple. We just have, uh, an offset account, a credit card and our like home loan, which at the moment is divided into two because of the house and land. And there's a bit of an interest only on the house as you draw down from it through the stages. Um, and then we've obviously borrowed against the land and are paying principal and interest on that monthly at the moment. But like that offset account by throwing all our available money that we have to our disposal into that offset account, they calculate the interest on a daily basis. So the longer you can keep money in that offset account, the less interest you're going to be paying on your mortgage. Uh, and then we use that credit card and the interest free um, 45 days or 44 days, I think it is, to take advantage of that. So we put all our money onto the credit card, pay it off completely each month. Um, but that allows us to have that money that's been spent on the credit card sitting in the offset for an extra 45 days than it normally would um, mm. and then reducing the interest on the loan. Now, Nathan, I've known Callum uh, for many, many years and, you know, the Callum I know sometimes gets a bit spendy. Um, what's your experience of seeing Callum grow with his money and having that weapon of a credit card uh, in the wallet? Is, is one of you more of a spender or a saver or is Callum a reform spender now? I would say that Cal is still a spender. However, he is very crafty and very clever with how he spends his money. So, like, he's always looking for free money and vouchers and all sorts of ways and, like, sales. And I have to say, like, no one does it as well as he does. <laughs> yeah. No one spends as well as he does. Like, he's always... He always gets a great saving or, you know, like, for example, what's, that, what's this, that saying? I spent so much money, I saved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you saved it. Yeah, pretty much. That, so, I mean, it's not that, like, it's not that bad, but I'm all, I'm much more conservative. I'm always like, no, we shouldn't spend that money, blah, 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 probably mm. too much. Um, mm. But, you know, f- like with our furniture, we've furnished the house and we've bought everything on sale and you wouldn't know, mm. like we've gotten great deals yeah. out of everything and, you know, saved and everything. So he's really, you know, creative in the way that he spends. Do you guys buy things with the intention that we can make this couch or this table work in any setting? Like do you forward kind of think your bulky purchases? Yeah, we yeah. just bought a dining table for the new home that obviously the home we're going to is huge. Uh, and the dining table can extend to seat 10 people. Um, but we've bought it so that if we do, when we move back to the city, because we know that's going to happen, it needs to be able to fit into an apartment. So, like, it reduces down mm-hmm. to a six. So, like, we're always thinking like that. We bought a new lounge for the apartment. But lounges these days are huge. Um, mm. And so, like, mm. yeah, buying things that are going to work in any space 
is definitely something that we've done. And I think we're just not buying, um, you know, cheap stuff anymore. It's more, buy cheap, we're more buy going twice. with the attitude of, yeah, buy cheap, buy twice. So we're buying things that, got, that are going to last us years and years that we love. And it might be more in the short term, but in the long term, you're not just going to buy heaps of, have to keep replacing it because it's going to break. Yeah. And it's more of a uh, a question around your career, Cal, and your money and stuff like that. Like uh, you were a, a physio and you moved out of physio into more of a co- uh, corporate role. Do you think, like, because I know over the years, like we all, because how old are you now, Cal? 31. Yeah. So, you're 31 now. Do you find like as your career and you grew into the comfort of your life, your career and your goals and uh, relationships, do you find the healthier all that got, the healthier your money got because you were intentional, you had goals or am I reading into stuff? Uh, No, I I think that's definitely true. I think like if all things are going well, um, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, like if you've got shelter, if you've got food, if you're healthy, um, then that kind of puts you and sets you up in a good position to kind of have good relationships and have those extra things in life that I think you refers to it as being like self-actualized um, and kind of being a contributing member of society. Um, yeah, so it's definitely true. Like I've been through ups and downs in my life and I think that my financial health um, has been affected by that. Um, but yeah, as things start to stabilize and you form good habits, um, things go well. Like we definitely still spend within within our means and we have a budget. Uh, like obviously things happen, things blow out. Um, we definitely know that if we're buying something, it's always coming out of our savings and not money that we don't have. Like mm. if we're buying that dining table, the dining table is not something in the budget that's actually reducing that same, that offset account by X amount of dollars. So do we want to do that, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing? So um, yeah, but as you, as you get kind of your life in order, I think things tend to um, get in order at the same time, kind of all goes together. Nathan, you've uh, basically been a professional dancer. Uh, You're, you're 26, 27, 25. Um, 26. 26. Yep. Yeah. so, you've been a professional dancer as far as you can remember. Uh, yeah. Being a full-time dancer, like, are you a struggling artist that everyone thinks about or is it like a salary position? What's the, with the Australian ballet, like it is the elite of elite, are the dancers on a salary? Are they on a commission? Uh, is half of it a hobby? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's good questions um, that I'm asked a lot, actually. Uh, we're on a salary, so we're on a 12-month contract and we're looked after very well at the Australian Ballet. It's, I think, gone are the days of the sort of starving, struggling ballet dancer. You know, we actually get paid really well and looked after quite well. Um, so, yeah, on a salary, full-time position, 52-week contract. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I guess, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realise how much work goes into it and there'll be people will. And there'll be people listening who, you know, understand the skill of a dancer. And, uh, yeah, when I did see you at the Nutcracker, yes, I was the dickhead who started the applause every time. Uh, so, you're welcome. 
It was good. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> clapping at all the wrong moments. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll show them culture. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You can't pick one anywhere. No, uh, but look, I really enjoyed it. Uh, now, tell us about the uh, Telstra Ballet Dancer of the Year Award. Uh, there's a People's Choice Award that we as the community can uh, vote for you. So, it's kind of like this Australian Idol thing, who's the most popular? Uh, so, there's the People's Choice Award and you could win $15,000. And then there's the main award uh, that... I'd imagine he's a judging panel or whatnot that you could win $25,000. So, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, for you to jump on and vote for Nathan because he's an M3 listener and we want him to win. People can also text Nathan to 0484 Ballet. Uh, You can vote as many times as you like. Wink, wink. So, get on and... (laughs) Yeah, there's no limitation to how many votes. There's no limitations. Oh, we, you know, we need a lot of, we need all those votes because I'm up against, I've got good competition. <laughs> yeah. How many people in the competition? Everyone? Or is there just a select amount of people? There's just six of us. Wow. So, out of the uh, entire Australian ballet, there's yeah. six people in this Ballet Dancer of the Year award. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope I beat you because um, there's been a lot of pressure on me this year. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a tough year for Glenn. Yeah, it's been a big year. Uh, those ankles don't really hold up when they're twirling uh, 96 <laughs> kilos. Um, <laughs> but, um, look, I, I think it's it's an amazing story that um, you guys have, you know, hit the jackpot with all the government grants you, in the midst of lockdown. You've um, – and I'm not saying this is a poor you story. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, it's- we We bought it all without laying eyes on a single thing. Really? That was another yeah. thing, yeah. We didn't step foot into a bank. We didn't see the block of land. We didn't even know what Lancefield looked like. We didn't know what the house was going to look like. We even did we the colour appointment where you like pick the paint colours and the bricks via Zoom. Wow. So, like, it was a real, it's a real stab in the dark. So, we'll see what we end up with. Mm. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the purple house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Oh, well, there you go. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. And remember, vote for Nathan. We'll put the details in the show notes. Let's get it, let's give him an M3 bump. I'm going to jump on and, uh, and flick your vote because I want my 10% cut. Uh, but thank you to <laughs> Nathan and Callum for, for sharing a bit of their story today. Thanks so much, Glenn. Glenn. Thanks, guys. Thanks for voting. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.